The human race's maritime history stretches far back into antiquity. Evidence suggests that humans were crossing the open seas as early as 65,000 years ago. Legends of monsters and strange creatures sighted upon the high seas are as plentiful as they are varied. The deep waters of the world were fabled habitats of sea serpents, krakens, and gods. Tales from around the world feature aquatic beings that were known to have both attributes of fish and humans. Sirens, Rusalka, and Ningyo are just a few of the names that these fabled half-human, half-fish creatures are known by. Recorded sightings of these aquatic hybrids have spanned human history from the golden age of sail and exploration all the way until as recently as 2009. Are these elusive beings heralds of disaster set on luring sailors to watery graves? Are they simply cases of mistaken identity stemming from dehydration and long periods out to sea? Or are they, as some scientists believe, a remnant offshoot of our own evolutionary history? Join the theorists as they head under the sea in search of ladies with both surf and turf in Mermaids. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 112. Mermaids. And mermen, or collectively known as merfolk. Or merpeople. Or merpeople. We're an uh, inclusive podcast I'm here. I'm Braden. I'm Dan. Uh, no one else today. All the dead weight's gone. You're just trimmed down to the lean, mean theorizing machines. Uh, if on Patreon you might know us by our alter ego, gruesome twosome. Uh, if you're not on Patreon, get on it. We, me and Dan do tons of solo case files. Uh, but this week... Duo case files. Mermaids. Uh, so if you don't know, now you know. Mermaids uh been around for eons in folklore and legends and tales. Uh, basically, it's an aquatic creature uh, with the head and the upper body of a female human and the tail of the fish. Of the uh, fish, of the, the, f- the one fish, uh, of the fish, <laughs> of of the fish. Um, some like to say best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> um, who so- says that? <laughs> I would spe- I would like to know who specifically says that. Well, I said it. <laughs> um, so what? What's up with mermaids? Uh, Dan, where did they come from? Where did they originate? What's going well, on with them? As you said, the tales of mermaids or merfolk have been around for thousands of years. Uh, uh, they've been around since uh, the writing of the legendary Arabian Nights, where they explain, where they um, describe them as having moon faces and hair like a woman's, but their hands and feet were in their bellies and they had tails like fishes. Um, like, Traditions having creatures that are half human and half fish have been around for, you know, since recorded history. Uh, the Sumerians had their own Babylonian, uh, had their own 
deity known as Ea, who was their fish god. Uh, he was uh, usually depicted as a man having the head of a man bearded and with a crown. And then he would have the body uh, from the neck down of a fish. And he was the patron God of cleaners. And he also protected the waters and he was also a force for good. Um, and he was actually kind of the prototype water deity for the Greek uh, mythological uh, God of Neptune or sorry, he's called, no, he's called tri- no, Neptune. No, wait. Poseidon, Poseidon, then Neptune. <laughs> Sorry, Greeks, Poseidon, Romans, Neptune, right? But they're both based off the same uh, prototypical kind of a uh, water deity. Um, even um, technically, what you would call modern religions like Hinduism have uh, worship mermaid goddesses to this very day. Well, I mean, they're all they're so widespread. Like almost all cultures have some sort of half man, half fish. My favorite probably being from Japan, uh, the Ningyo, which literally means human fish, but the best kind where it's all fish with a single human face at the end. So Uh, little horns. uh, Yeah. Some would say best of both worlds. (laughs) Um, I don't think anybody says that. I think you're the only one who says that. There's all sorts of them all through history, tales of sirens and mermaids and and all sorts of aquatic humanoids. Right. And so you kind of have to differentiate the the types of kind of mermaids. Uh, For example, the Nino, uh, which had the head of a female and the body of a fish. But these were typically not what you would uh, imagine in your head as the kind of um, stereotypical mermaid, the Hans Christian Andersen Disney uh, Ariel uh, Little Mermaid. Um, these weren't, you know, in some cultures you have mermaids being depicted as beautiful and having this kind of ethereal beauty, and they would lure uh, sailors to their watery deaths by using their voices, which would technically be a siren. Um, but the Nino, on the other hand, you have other water. Uh, merfolk like the Nino and also the Kappa from um, from Japanese folklore as well were kind of ugly creatures like they were not th- these were not the ones that would lure you to your watery doom yeah you weren't being tricked by well I mean there was another one I then my website that I had it on is an opening but it was like a serpent with like a woman's head and it would the legend says that it would hold like a bundle of sticks near the river's edge and whine like a lady. <laughs> Sorry, that came out. I didn't mean it like that. Just fucking whine, <laughs> whine like a lady. I meant, <laughs> I did, like I'm lady. not inferring that ladies whine. I meant like cry, cry out like a woman in distress is what I meant. Woo. And, uh, when people would come to the shore to see what were, what was happening, she'd throw the bindle of sticks on them, pinning them to the rocks, and would use her tongue to suck their blood. That sounds terrible. And uh, it's <laughs> that was called the. This was a Japanese myth known as Nerona. Oh. She had face and hair of a uh, woman, but eyes and teeth of a snake. But she lived in the rivers. Uh, so mermaids have been around and i think they're they came around their their golden day or their golden age was during the age of exploration is when you had sailors uh going out into these unknown waters and a lot of times they'd be out there 
for long periods of time and you know you're at sea for months and the the common explanation or the mainstream explanation for mermaids is that these sailors which half the time probably actually more than half the time were drunk because they're pretty much you don't on most sailing ships like i i'm pretty sure like you would have barrels of water but the water still goes bad but so you would have um you know, every day you get a ration of rum to kind of space it out. So you would kind of drink the rum instead because the rum doesn't go bad. And so, you know, 80% of the time, these dudes are probably wasted. And you would see in the water what looked like a woman was actually probably more more likely a, a sea creature of some kind. So you had your dolphins. You had things like uh, dugongs and manatees. Um, also stellar sea cow, uh, which is now extinct. Um which I looked up a picture of those things and I did not realize how huge those things were. Like they're really big. Now, even more so than those things, like if anyone ever saw, like if you've ever been to the aquarium and seen a beluga whale, in some angles, they look like, it looks like a lady's waist and knees, like in a really tight dress that goes into the fin. You look at pictures of beluga, look up beluga whale knees and then, Tell me if you saw that in, in the ocean, drunk on your drunk as a skunk on rum, just goosed. Uh, you wouldn't think that was could be a potential lady, yeah, especially just type, in, type in sexy beluga whales. Yeah, type in beluga whale sexy knees. Probably don't don't type that in there. What's I looked it up, <laughs> but you know it's easy. Like I look at that picture, I'm I'm got it up right now. And I go, you know, if I was on a boat and I saw that, you would think like if just that back portion came up, like obviously the head isn't much to look at, but like it does, like there's, there's shots of them where it like, you're like, oh, it kind of looks like a lady's abdomen and the curves of a lady's hips going down to a fin. And I was like, I could see how if you were drunk on a boat or, and you just saw the back end of that upside down or whatever you would go be like i think i just saw a fucking woman in the water and you'd be like dude a hole's a hole (laughs) yeah i'm in there some say best of both worlds (laughs) i think a lot of people will say that after this after this case file um but yeah so it's 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 i think that's where it comes but i mean there's so much uh legend and myth to them Right. Um, a lot of people would say that these these tales, um, uh, you have the the Slavic tradition of the mythological Rusalkas, which were these type of um, merfolk that lived in freshwater lakes and streams. And their kind of thing was to, you know, lure children or lure men into the water and then drown them. Um, but you know, some of these things could also be explained as as parents trying to keep their their children away from water because back in the middle ages and those times like uh you know people didn't know how to swim a lot of people didn't know how to swim so you know those were kind of the the ways to keep your children away from the water like don't go close too close to the water you know because if you tell your kid don't go close to the water of course they're going to do the exact opposite of what you tell them not to do so you tell them don't go close to the water or the fucking mermaid's going to eat you yeah right just like you tell your kid, don't open that new jar of peanut butter. Or the peanut butter monster is going to fucking eat you. Your parents told you that? <laughs> That's good parenting. Right? I've never heard of the peanut butter monster. I had I'd free range growing up. 
I mean, yeah. that's what I would tell my kids. Yeah, if I me had too. Kids. Yeah. I'm a good. I would be a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be terrified. Grew up <laughs> scared of everything. Everything. Um. It, it's actually funny how like dark. Like looking into mermaids, I didn't realize how absolutely dark and sinister the the like legit the real Little Mermaid story is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's super. the The Disney version is way, way scaled back. Yeah. Uh, the Hans Christian Andersen one is it's fucking dark. It's pretty. It's like it's pretty metal. Like pretty brutal. Um, yeah. She. I, uh, it follows the quest. So, spoiler alert. Um, follows a mermaid's quest to win the heart of a handsome prince whose life she saves from the water. We all remember that from the Disney movie. Sounds um, good so far. But in the book, the mermaid is unable to win the prince's heart. Mute and alone, she is doomed to be transformed into sea foam. Oh, no. Because fish girls have no souls and cannot go to heaven. Oh, God. Her sisters sell their hair to the sea witch in exchange for Uh. a dagger that the mermaid must use to pierce the prince in his sleep. If she lets his blood wash over her feet, she will regrow her tail and return to the ocean. Fantastic. All right. I will tell you the end of it. I will also read my kids that book and I will tell them about the peanut butter monster. Yeah. It's, it's, it's terrifying, but it's, it's, I mean, sirens and stuff. I'm, have been around for forever. You know, we've all heard the story of the Odyssey Odyssey on the rocks and leading sailors to their dooms. Right. So where do you think that comes from? Like, where do you think that, um, I'm not necessarily the the singing women, but just seeing women on the rocks. It's probably, I think that also can be explained by some people or uh, some historians would believe, have you believe that those were, um, it could be seals. You know, you see them just lounging around on yeah. rocks and things like that. And, and people running aground on arr, rocks. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> right. And, and some of these is that, usually, is that ladies? <laughs> that sounds exactly like ladies whining. Oh, well, um, I'm going to eat it for that one. A lot of times, I believe uh, mermaids were considered b- bad luck. If you saw a mermaid, your 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 seafaring journey was going to be doomed at some point. And some historians would explain it that because of uh, sea creatures like dolphins or dugongs, uh, traditionally dugongs, uh, which live in like the Mediterranean Sea and parts of like the Persian Gulf and things like that, they swim close to the um, they swim close to the shore, and so you would have you know sailors or ships be distracted by these these watery creatures, which could resemble a, a you know a human uh, fish person, and then they would run aground. So then they would kind of associate the the, the two. Um, misfortune running aground with uh, a mermaid. So that kind of explains some of it. Where the song comes from, I'm not exactly sure. Like, I don't I don't know where the song part, I couldn't really get to the bottom of that part. One of my favorite ones is not so much about the mermaid, the mermaids, but there was one about the uh, the blue men of the minch. Yes. They're said to dwell on the outer Hebrides on the coast of Scotland. And they look like ordinary men, except they have blue tinted skin and they have gray beards. And their whole deal is that they would often lay siege to a ship. And then the leader of the blue men would challenge the captain to a fat rhyming contest. And so the (laughs) captain would have to spit mad rhymes in order 
for their ship not to sink. That is the best thing I've ever heard. So you'd have a fucking sick rap battle. That needs somebody write that script. Yeah. Where's that sick. little mermaid? Where's that musical? I want to see a musical about the blue men of the Minch. And it's all fucking rap battles. Yeah. Oh, you could t- you could totally turn that into a Disney movie now. Oh, you could. That's probably you know what? That's the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And Johnny Depp's gonna have a rap battle with the Blue Men and the Minch. Yeah, The Rock could be in it. It's one of the Rock could be in. Rock could be in. Rock could be in anything. Yeah, he's. I loved him in that. Uh, the Mona. I thought he was good in that. Sometimes sing that at karaoke. Now you would think that most mermaid sightings are consigned to history. That you would think these are kind of old. You know, before, you know, your, your Greek mythology, um, your times of Romans, your times of sailors. But we still had things like the Fiji mermaid in the mid 1800s, about 1840. And the Fiji mermaid was an attraction that was uh, put up by the legendary showman P.T. Barnum, uh, showman and conman, you know, and shyster. And People could pay 50 cents to see this extremely strange. It doesn't remain anywhere. It's gone now. Um, Nobody said it's lost a time. Either it burned up in a fire or they can't find it anymore. But it was said to be um, or is advertised as a long-limbed fish-tailed beauty uh, who would comb her hair. And then they were absolutely disappointed and said they saw this fucking gross fake corpse that was only a few feet long and it had the torso and head of what appeared to be a juvenile monkey and the bottom was was a fish which had been sewn onto it um both worlds if you look if you go into the fiji monkey and you try to look in the origins of the fiji monkey it's it gets pretty interesting nobody's actually 100 percent sure where it came from or who made it or where they got it from um, PG Barnum had bought it from somebody who said they had got it from, uh, from a relative who had traveled the South Asian seas and apparently somewhere in Japan, Southern Japan, this is as far as I could get as uh, in Southern Japan, there was a tradition of, of doing this, of, um, sewing the bottom of a fish onto a monkey. So they do have monkeys in Japan. They do have macaques and things like that. So I, I suppose you could do that. And perhaps they were trying to make a, uh, my theory is that perhaps, they were trying to make a, a, an effigy or something of a ninjo. Like, cause ninjos were described as being pretty gross. Like they're fucking nasty. They're just really gross looking things and they're grotesque and whatever. So you, you can make one, I suppose, and put it in a temple, but I don't, I, I couldn't get that. I couldn't get far. I tried to look up if that was an actual thing and I couldn't find any real information showing me as to where it came from. So it could have just been anybody who just said, Hey, we're going to snap this monkey and this fish. Sew them together. Sew them together. Make Some... 50 cents a pop. <laughs> I hope they were a little more than that. Right. So. Uh, I think they still have examples of these Fiji. They kind of they kind of collectively call them now like Fiji mermaids, like these kinds of things. And I think they, they still have a model uh, at, a, at, like a, at a museum at Harvard in Boston. Um, they still have an example of one of the Fiji mermaids. Uh, and I've seen pictures of it and it's either made a paper mache or it, it was one that they actually found, but it's super gross. It's like creepy looking. <sighs> yeah. I'm not into it. So from the 1840s, you kind of had that kind of to go off of. And then the next real kind of semi plausible one, you could t- 
you know, you could perhaps pin as actual mermaid sightings is in 2009, there was a string of mermaid sightings in Israel. So in Israel in 2009, uh, one of the first people to report was named Shlomo Cohen, which I wasn't even 100% sure that was a real name, but it is. I didn't know Shlomo was an actual real name. No, I thought that was just like a fake name that you hear in movies sometimes. But um, he he quoted he was quoted saying, "I was with friends when suddenly we saw a woman laying on the sand in a weird way. At first, I thought she was just another sunbather, but when we approached, she jumped to the water and disappeared. We were all in shock because we saw she had a tail." So uh, the town that it was sighted nearest was this town called Kirit Yam, and the the government there actually offered a one million dollar reward for the first person to photograph the creature. Never found. <laughs> yeah, no prize ever given. No prize ever given. So nobody has found that. But if you're looking for a quick way to make a million bucks, you know, you can head there. I'm pretty sure the bounty's still up for grabs. So take a well, shot. You know, and it's funny, that's in 2009. I wonder if this... Uh, inspired the 2011 uh, mermaid craze uh, which <laughs> rolled out in a let's say a documentary on the animal <laughs> planet you mean a super high quality documentary yes. that you watched and really liked yes uh, called uh, mermaid the body found uh, it's <laughs> if you haven't seen this documentary it's an hour 20 minutes long it aired in 2011 on the history channel and animal planet and it's one of those fucking documentaries where I don't know. It's it's weird to me. I guess if you didn't tell me right away, although I had it pegged as soon as every single scientist was good looking, I was like, something's up here. I was like, this is this doesn't make sense. Uh, it's totally fake, but they never once say it's fake. Wait, ever. are you saying scientists can't be good looking? Are you no. saying Hollywood is lying to me? I'm yeah, yes. I'm saying that if you were to like if if you're taking let's say what this documentary said is five scientists that uh worked on this project, I'm going to say that like all five aren't aren't super handsome and good looking. Yeah, if you if you put on the bottom of the screen and it says that they are an uh like an um uh, an ocean biologist or a marine biologist and their skin doesn't look like like it's been sitting out in this like it's solid leather like yeah. it's just tanned leather they should have and they should have those glasses tan lines at yeah. all times right yeah if you if you try to tell me that somebody doesn't look like a marine biologist doesn't look like that i will not believe you well and so going going through this movie this movie this documentary depicts um what they they said and and again i can't this caused quite a, this caused this documentary caused so much of a stir that the national what is it the national Oce oceanic and, and atmospheric administration no yeah, they, they had to release that like hey 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 we had nothing to do with this and mermaids are not real like the navy's well, not well they didn't say they're not real they they said that they don't have any evidence of a you know a mermaid creature yeah so we'll we'll say the plot of this um, and it's it's actually like well done the first half. Um, 
the plot is that the Navy is using sonar and they've got this new powerful sonar that's so loud that it's killing the whales. And Which is a real thing. Yes. And they're doing mass beachings. And in one of these beachings, the government found a mermaid. And then they picked up, uh, what, uh, the uh, the bloop? They picked up the bloop. The bloop they- which is also a real thing. We talked about it on one of our podcasts. It's not a real thing in this. It is, yes, a real thing, but not in the context of they present it in this movie. No, 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 no. Not like not even close. Right. Um, but uh, then they go in to say that all these scientists are outing the fact that, yes, we know about mermaids. We found them. We don't care about them. And then about halfway through the <laughs> the, the movie, it goes into what one can only describe as the worst CGI you've ever seen. And uh, it was they, 2011, 2012. Dude, I don't think CGI was that bad back then. I don't, I eh. refuse to believe. Um, but they, uh, there's this great scene in which the Megalodon's still around. And they said, these ancient, these ancient mermaids lived packed like us, and they would have to protect themselves from predators like the megalodon. It shows a megalodon eating like a humpback whale, and then there's a megalodon circling around this like little pod of mermaids, according to this documentary. And one of the mermaids gives the other mermaids the glance, takes his little spear, and he cuts himself open to sacrifice himself to the megalodon so that his family can get away. And I was like, this is g- how did this ever create a stir? I think it's so bad. So, well, I mean, it's based on, it's one of those things where it was a show and and it was, um, I'm pretty sure this was one of the first of its kind where it was a docu, a, a faux documentary, like, a, you know, that it was presented like a documentary, but it was actually, you know, just a, a TV show. We've uh, seen a, lots a movie. since. Yeah, we've, seen, and we've since. seen tons of those since. And like a lot of the kind of the shows you see today, like, Kind of see scripted shows like Mountain Monsters and like all those ones, which are posited as documentaries, but they're, Sorry, they're scripted what? and whatever. Um, but this was one of the first of its kind, so people kind of took it seriously, or they missed the disclaimer at the beginning of the show that said this is totally fake and none of this is real. But the the theory of how that the creatures in this TV show evolved is based on an actual hypothesis, which was, uh, which was brought out in like the the seventies and eighties, uh, like late sixties. And this is called the aquatic ape hypothesis. And so what, what the show tried to kind of posit first was that at some point during man's evolution, this is all kind of goes with the aquatic ape hypothesis is that I mean, we know now that there are a lot. Of, there were a lot of different hominid species. There was us. There's the Neanderthals. Uh, Bigfoot, Magnon, Bigfoot, <laughs> Denisovans, um, and there's even one more that I'm pretty sure that they said they've identified by like DNA, you know, comparisons and things like that. There's just another unknown, you know, hominid species. So we know there's a whole bunch. But during, I think they said somewhere between four to seven million years ago. Um, there's a gap there, or at least there used to be a gap in the, um, a gap in the, the fossil record of hominids. And they're saying that somewhere around there, there's a chance that a hominid species had broken off and had taken to the sea. Um, 
They had found their uh, main sources of food and 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 found them plentiful, like shellfish, fish, turtles, whatever else you could find on the beach. You know, which which we've seen evidence of that there are a lot of um, you know coastal communities and things like that where they they you know have had a tendency to to, to flourish and things like that. So uh, the aquatic ape hypothesis kind of said, well, why not that some of the you know either we had actually gone into the ocean and these ones became mermaids at some point, or that some of those adaptations that they made while they were, you know, while they were in the water, a mostly aquatic species remained in our gene pool. So you have things like the aquatic ape hypothesis kind of says that they try to line up um, the way that some humans, like what, what we have webbing between our fingers, which not other primates do um the way that we're mostly hairless and that most other apes are not hairless uh the only one the creatures the mammals that are mostly hairless are those that spend a lot of time in the water dolphins and eh, whales eh, technically seals i guess the hip hippos <laughs> like um you'd find those so that, that that was one of their supporting reasons uh the way that uh humans are seem uniquely adapted to hold our breaths for long periods of time at least some humans can hold their breath for you know long stretches of time like sometimes up to like 14 15 minutes and uh there's still some so cultures that like they hold their breath and for like an unbelievable amount and like their whole civilization is based around like deep diving and and fishing and it, I couldn't remember. I know they said that in the fake documentary, but I wasn't sure if it's actually a real fact where they talked about the, cause I've heard it before. I can't remember if we've talked about it before where there's the, like the one tribe where they, they can control their iris. Of their I'm eyes. not a hundred. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure about the, 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 the documentary claims that some, uh, some, cultures like have people who, who do deep diving and things like that. And they can contract their pupils uh, at will uh, in order to see underwater. Yeah. But, so they can make it as clear as day underwater. And I, they I should, they actually show sure a video. They, I, well, I kind of forgot about that point too, just until we started talking about it. And then I was like, I was like, Hmm, I wonder if that's true, but they actually show a video in the documentary of someone doing it. And it, the, the, it looks really good and the rest of the CGI is so bad that I'm like, if that's fake, they they did a good job on this. They spent all the money on faking this guy's pupils and not um on any of the other <laughs> That CGI. was the one that was the one good thing you got. Yeah, they are like Yeah. <laughs> so the the theory of somewhere down the line our evolutionary line people or hominids splitting off and becoming this solely aquatic race uh, is, is what they try to posit in the, in the thing. And, and the aquatic ape hypothesis has been around for a long time and it's always kind of been hanging around on the fringes, on the edges, and, and it never manages to go away. A lot of uh, anthropologists and uh, archaeologists and paleontologists have been like, yeah, it's, a, it, it's there, but they say that it's, it doesn't really, it doesn't really support itself on any 
real evidence. It's kind of one of those things where you just like you take an idea of something like, you know, uh, humans at some point were aquatic and then you use that to try to explain a bunch of different traits about about humans. So the way we can hold our breath or breath control, the uh, webbing between our the, the webbing between our fingers and also the fact that we walk upright um, was another one that the aquatic ape hypothesis tries to to convince us that walking upright was the um, preferred would be the preferred um, method of locomotion because you know it's it, it keeps your head above water. Um, you would uh, it makes le- it makes more sense. It's a more efficient way to move through the water than moving on all fours like an ape would. Um, but even apes now, even if it's a gorilla or whatever, they stand on their they stand on their hind legs to yeah. walk through water. But yeah, so. Um, they call it an umbrella theory where it's like you try to take one of those, those things and explain a whole bunch of things where they're all of those traits are better explained or better, um, you know, better supported by evidence by a bunch of different little theories. Like breath control is more supported with the fact that we had to use breath control to speak. It's, it's more for speech than for, you know, uh, diving underwater. Um, and a lot of the stuff it's like now it's kind of coming out that there's a lot more stuff to go against the aquatic hypothesis. The fact that we found a lot more we've added, we've kind of filled in the, um, fossil records and I've, you know, we've also, um, identified or we've, we've have a lot more accurate models of what the habitats that are, um, you know, our ape ancestors, uh, would have evolved in or would have you know would have grown up in and uh i was just reading an article today that they had just figured out a way to or they figured out uh, a more accurate model of what it looked like and it's not so much that if you try to picture it as the african savannas today it would not be like that the environment back then was vastly different than what you would think of and and thinking about our ape ancestors um growing up on the savannas of modern day Africa, it would probably be more akin to kind of a wetlands forest jungle, uh, kind of area where moving on your hind legs could aid you as much in the trees as well as moving through water or, or long grass. I was just, I, just to interject real quick. I just, I, that sea nomad there's, they're called sea nomad children. It's, it's a, it's a legit real thing. Uh, BBC wrote an article by Helen Thompson in 2016, and they did a scientific study in 1999, uh, and they found these kids who could see underwater. Uh, and there was only two reasons for that, and they said it was either evolutionary, their eyes had changed, or that they had somehow been able to teach their kids at a young age how to use your eye differently than what we know how to do now. Um, she thought it was something to do with how they were taught and just being immersed in water from a, such a young age. Um, but they could see twice, sometimes three times as better as European children uh, under the experiment that they did. They would have them dive down, open their eyes, and they'd have like cards underwater that they'd flip. And the sea nomad kids could tell you when they came to the surface exactly what was on each card. It's when the European children would be like, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> Maybe the European kids couldn't count. But interesting. So that's it's a real thing. 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's more of a, I think that more attests to the, to the unique adaptability of our physiology. Um, we are an incre- we are an incredibly adaptive species. Um, we've got, you know, we've got this layer of kind of, um, adipose tissue. We've got fat, like we've got a layer of fat, which most mammals don't have, which keeps us warm. We can move from cold climates to warm climates and still be, uh, relatively comfortable. Um, We've also, I mean, if you look at uh, just the way that our bodies adjust from high altitude to low altitudes, um, you know, why a lot of runners train in high altitudes and your lungs and your heart and your bloodstream, your circulatory system uh, learns how to be more efficient, you know, use oxygen to more efficiently and things like that. So, which is. That just goes to show me that there are aliens to this planet, not that we came out of the water. (laughs) Which is another theory, which is there's another one that we were, you know, we were. We're from Mars because our, uh, well, that'll probably, I think we've talked about it at least once about the theory that humans are from Mars. We can get into it a little bit though. From mermaids Um, to Mars. (laughs) Mermaids from Mars. That's somebody write that one. (laughs) Oh, I'd buy that. (laughs) Um, but it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of cool, neat little things about the human body, which make us, you know, pretty awesome just in our own right. So maybe we are aliens. It could possibly be, but, um, I don't know about being a, uh, wholly aquatic species. I'm not hundred percent sold on that one. Well, that's a tough thing too. Cause the ocean's so deep and the, you know, I, I hate to give any credence to this, that fucking stupid documentary, but they say, <laughs> it, they go, you know, the, you know, we know more about the moon than we do about the bottom of the ocean. So it's like, if there was some, some let's say there was some kind of skeletal remains, like, they could be long gone, right? The ocean's like a big just churning pot, right? Stuff getting smashed into shore and sea. And so let's right. say for argument's sake that mermaids were real, we evolved from mermaids or something like mermaids. Would we find I would mermaid have bodies? To, I would have to say if there were a large enough breeding population that if you would, you assume that these these creatures have a large enough breeding population, even if they're, especially if they're migratory, um, you would assume that these creatures would act like most sea mammals. So um, during their breeding season, like they would probably like uh, humpback whales or dolphins, like a lot of their calving seasons they have in shallow waters. So you would have these creatures moving to more shallow waters, like uh, the dolphins and most of them, they don't live out in the deep, deep sea. And even when they do die, they do wash up on shore. Like we have plenty of evidence of animals that like weird shit washes up shores. And even you'd probably get like a hurricane or two, like picking one up and spinning it around. And like the, when, you know, fish rain out of the sky, except one day it would be a big old mermaid that lands on the hood of your sedan and makes a big old dent. You have to explain that to your insurance company. <laughs> but I, I would have to say that there would have been a body found by now uh most like i think it, i can't remember the exact stat but it's like 80 80 70 of the life that lives in the oceans lives in shallow to moderate deep ocean well and if like, it's that's where all the life is and if if it's like people are like well what if it lives really deep i'm like well then the pressure would kill it like there's right. you no way you'd have to they'd have to be a fully aquatic species so they would have to be like they have gills Right. If they if they don't if they don't come up for air, if they live that deep, then it wouldn't make sense for them to come up for air. So unless it's a fully aquatic species, um, you know, I probably, you know, that that's the only thing I could see it 
actually being is that they actually had gills as opposed to they didn't breathe air, which is a little bit difficult to, to kind of, it's really hard to get on that when you see dolphins and whales, which have been around for millions of years and they still breathe air. They don't have gills. So, um, so it's hard. It is kind of hard to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's, there's mermaids out there and they just live really deep in the ocean. And I'm like, well, what do they eat? You know, like how do they move around? Whether they, it, it just, it's a little, little difficult to kind of, to reason with, you know? And then, but I will say this, when I was thinking about all this, I was trying to, I was putting it like in my head, I was like, oh, so if you had a creature that was uniquely adapted to move through, um, you know, high grass and marshes and swamps, you know, where would be the best place for it to live? You know, places like the Everglades. And yeah. what did we just talk about in the Everglades? Skunk ape. Skunk ape. So I'm saying that maybe perhaps if there's skunk apes out there, you got skunk apes with uh, webbed hands and, and webbed feet. Maybe they're just like splashing through those things. And maybe that's that's what the aquatic ape is. It's more like it's not it's not a mermaid, but it's just a, an ape that's more uh, it's more wholly adapted to its to its environment, to its swamp you know, high grass environment. So it's like skunk ape or aquatic ape. I I think I I think it's just been people seeing things in the ocean. I mean, you back in the day on some of these voyages, you gotta remember you're like it's it's not a luxury cruise line, right? You're like you're probably near death when you get to your destination some of the times. And you are bored and, out of your fucking mind. Yeah, like, so I cannot like, imagine how boring it is. If you see these things and like you're probably, probably, fuck, you probably, it's like when you see, um, when you're in the desert and you see a mirage, right? The ocean, like it's just so vast and you'd be, you'd probably go a little fucking crazy, especially in the conditions like back in the day they were crossing the, these oceans. So I think it was, I think it was more of these sailors seeing either like beluga whales or like you're seeing some manatees or, or stuff like that. And then they're just eyes playing tricks on them. Cause each and every one of us has been in the woods and your eyes play tricks on us. Or you, you know, you hang your coat up in your bedroom and you wake up in the middle of the night. Cause you see the shadow of a fucking terrifying monster. And it's just really your coat that you hung up and you didn't recognize it right away. So I think it's just a more a misconception. I don't think there's any chance that there's mermaids creeping around the oceans. Yeah. And I will tell you right now though, if I hear the crying of, uh, you know, creepy crying of a lady, the whining, the, water, the whining yeah. of a lady in the water. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Brayden. Now, if I hear the whining Get of a lady, the water. Or, <laughs> or if I hear a lady saying, help, help me. I'm in trouble from the water. I'd be like, Nope. I'm sorry. I yeah, mm, no. no. I I know the I know the legends. I know the calls of the siren when I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, mermaid. Yeah. Nice try. What's the Japanese one's name? Ningyo or Ningyo. Snake lady who yeah. tried to suck my blood. Yeah. You carry your own bindle, lady. <laughs> Quit your whining. 
Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if we have any more on, you got anything else to add on mermaids? Um, the only real mermaids that I know about are the wiki watchy mermaids. What's the wiki watchy mermaids? I, the wiki watchy, the beautiful mermaids of wiki watchy springs in Florida. What? wiki watchy Springs state park. I've never been. That's, um, before the show, I had sent Brayden and all of them a bunch of links of the Wikiwachi mermaids when you search up mermaids. So Wikiwachi Spring State Park is actually has an interesting history. Um, they have a mermaid show there. They have actual ladies who dress up as mermaids. They're not real mermaids. Um, and they actually perform underwater shows. They have a large tank that they're built oh, and a natural yes. spring. And they have a wonderful roster of beautiful ladies uh, who all... Um, perform shows to music or they said like uh, recordings of uh, uh, children's children's folk tales and things like that. But I thought it was pretty neat. Like this place was actually built in 1946 um, by a former U uh, S Navy person, uh, Navy man who trained actual Navy seals to swim underwater in world war two. And he actually uh, invented a method of breathing underwater with a hose as opposed to um, having to use like a, you know, wear a tank on your back or using a compressor or thing like that. Um, so these women kind of, you, you know, they use the, these air hoses to supply them with air while they perform underwater, but they all are actually really, I guess, really great at holding their breath underwater and performing all these things. Cause it's not easy. I mean, you try swimming underwater for longer than a minute. And like, for me, like for someone who doesn't really do it all the time, it's like, I can maybe like a minute I could stay underwater, like swimming. Yeah. It's like, it's, but it's, it's pretty cool. I can float um, on top with a beer for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen one of those, I, I think, in Vegas. Maybe one of the hotels they... I think they have them in Vegas, too. They have mermaid shows. Yeah. Things like that. I think but, I saw uh, them there. They're all really great at holding holding their breath, which is super fucking cool. So I need to go to the Wiki Wachi Springs for, uh, for Mer- investigation for purposes. Show, yeah. <laughs> Just to, to make sure... I got to pull on their tails a little bit to make sure that they're real, that they're not real mermaids. Perhaps they're real mermaids posing as fake mermaids. Hmm. Possible. Possibly. That the final word on mermaids, they out there, Dan, are they real? Uh, it'd be cool if they were out there. Uh, the water is deep. Weird shit is out there all the time. What is so what is the, what is the magic eight ball say? Uh, ask again later. Oh, mine says all signs point to no. <laughs> So, uh, why don't we get into a little space news? They've grown meat in space. They've produced slaughter-free meat in space. Space meat. Space Space meat. meat. Burgers that are out there, man. Mm, Out there. Delicious Um, space meat. There's something to me about like just growing meat that I'm just like, oh man, like it just makes me queasy. I'm down with it. I, I had, well, I'm down from growing meat substitutes. I had an impossible Whopper. I had the impossible Whopper from Burger King uh, where they use the impossible burger I, patty. You know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and so it salty. tastes like a Whopper. So I, it salty. tastes like a Whopper and I'm not saying that the Whoppers are great, but I'm like, it tasted like a Whopper. I had, uh, I had, um, a and W um, Beyond Beef Burger—that's what they call them here. We have Beyond right. Beef. They're different though. We're, beyond yeah. Beyond Beef and Impossible Meat. Are yeah, different. it's because one's impossible, one's gone beyond meat. 
Right. And <laughs> the Beyond Meat one was so... I thought I was going to... My arteries were clogged after I ate it. It was so salty. I was like... You felt your, felt your blood pressure like <laughs> launching through the roof. So the fact that when I read that, I was like, great, they're growing meat in space. Like, Well, I mean, that's the kind of the big problem is like growing protein or meat substitutes and... I guess for long, for long voyages, that's what you're going to have to do because you're not going to bring fucking animals. Well, I, I, I'd have to read the article, but I'd wonder how much, like how, how resource intensive is it? Like how much does it consume as opposed to, because you have other like in science fiction, uh, for example, the expanse, if you've watched that series or, or read the books, like they grow, they don't grow space meat. They kind of grow fungus. Like they grow a type of like a mushroom, you know, based fungi based, um, meat substitute or kind of tofu or things like that. So I wonder if that, like, I, grow, I wonder if growing the space meat is like, do they both kind of how that weighs against growing a kind of tofu or protein? The picture substitute. I saw, it was like, it was like a tablespoon of ground beef. Mm. Like they had. And I was like, and it didn't look like good ground beef. <laughs> it looked like it start <laughs> looked like, like space like ground beef. It might like move and start like me. Delicious. Uh, That's what just, your meat does before you yeah. eat it anyways. I don't I don't know, man. Just this fact of just like growing meat from nothing to meat. Like this is just meat. I'm like, is it meat or is it just goop? Like just some sort of fleshy I'm all, goop. I'm only for eating goop. I don't care. Uh, I know Dan, you got an iron eater. tummy, man. I don't I don't I don't <laughs> got an iron tummy anymore. Like, uh, it's making me I'll eat anything. Just you put it in front it. of me and you just say eat that. I say, okay. Um this next one surprised me a little bit. Um, the king is dead. Long live the new king. Saturn has overtaken Jupiter as the solar system's satellite king. Oh, um, who cares about that? What? Who cares about that award? Well, th- here, here's the thing. This is what the crazy part is. Just 20 new moons found around Saturn. 20. 20 like new moons. moons. That's a like, lot of moons that we didn't know about. That's moons. Like... Are they like, are they just like spinning around in the rings and they're just like large chunks of rock or? All 20 moons are tiny, measuring about three miles, five kilometers across. 17 of them have a retrograde orbit, meaning they move around Saturn in the opposite direction of the planet's rotation. These 17 all take more than three Earth years to complete one Saturn lap. And the most far flung one is the most distant Saturn satellite known. So there you have it. Well, they're only like three miles. That's not that big. It's not that big, but still. Our moon like, is bigger. Yeah. Why we we're bigger. moon king. Yeah, we're moon king. Biggest moon. Yeah, we're <laughs> moon king. Get I don't the, even think we have the biggest moon, though. GTFO Saturn. Fucking we're moon king. Earth yeah. is moon king. Yeah. Fucking Fuck moon king for your, life. Fuck off with your tiny little, tiny little, what you call moons. I guess uh, NASA's a little uh, annoyed about Elon's Musk's giant uh, rocket. They, 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 they have rocket envy. Rocket envy, yes. SpaceX has never flown a person into space. The the What is it called? The Crew Dragon. But it's being mm-hmm. shown off in the press and everyone's gawking at it going like, Baga, look at that thing. It is very <laughs> fucking glorious to look at. But I guess it's uh, annoying. The press, amount of press it's getting is annoying some NASA officials because... They're saying, well, this hasn't done anything. Like, it's just a 
right now it's just an art installation. Yeah, but it looks fucking cool. Yeah, it's very much. Um, NASA, what are you, bunch of nerds? Like Your shit's never look cool. Fucking space shuttle looks like freaking trash. Yeah, I was like, fuck, I want to get that fucking giant. I want to get that rocket tattooed on yeah. me. Yeah, should have thought about that when you built your your uh, space shuttles to look like stubby, like stubby planes or whatever. Well, I guess I guess the um, it's way behind schedule and it's like kind of just a shell and so it's a Tesla. Yeah, so they're like they're like uh, they're a little NASA's like it's not doing anything. Like, why is it getting all the attention? Because you guys aren't doing anything. Let's go into UFO case file of the week. Uh, luckily, <sighs> I got Zelda print off a sheet before he left for Portland and uh, give it to me. This is sent in by... Uh, listener, this is from Cody Dixon. Uh, hey guys, been a listener for almost a year now. Oh, I think, hold on. The title is called, Hey, There's Daddy. I haven't pre-read this, so if that has some negative intonations later on, I apologize. Uh, hey guys, been a listener for ATT almost a year dark. now and love your stuff. Listen every day. Anyways, got a story for you. You can use my name. So here it is. My fiance and I aren't foster parents to four. Yes, four. No, okay, that's going to be meant to be R. My fiance, my fiance and I are foster parents to four. Yes, four little girls. They are all sisters and have the same mom. But our second youngest has a different dad who unfortunately passed away from a drug overdose before she was born. She's six now. Rewind to about four years ago. My sister-in-law and my second youngest were out for a walk as it was a very nice day. About 10 minutes into the walk, my daughter looked over and said, There's dad! There's my dad! My sister looked in the direction my daughter was looking, expecting to see me, but saw no one. She looked back and said to my daughter, What do you mean? There's no one there, honey. To which my daughter replied, my daddy, he's right there. She looked again, but again, she only saw empty sidewalk. She looked back at my daughter and told her, daddy's at work, honey, and shrugged it off, thinking maybe a passerby who looked like me had walked by. She continued to walk and eventually went home. When she got home, she told my fiance about it. Curious, my fiance pulled up an old picture of her father and showed her. Excitedly, she said, That's my daddy! I saw him today. That's my angel daddy. Keep in mind, she has never met him before and had only seen that picture once. Hmm. Only only showed her the picture once she showed it to So I think what he means is that was the first time she's been shown that picture. That's from... Right. Or she knows she's only seen that picture once. And yeah, and that was that time. Because he said, he says at the end, and only seeing that picture once, she showed it to her. So I think- They say the dad was dead? The dad's passed away, yeah. So it's- Oh, okay. That's creepy. Unfortunately, dad who unfortunately passed away from drug overdose. Oh. So that's creepy. So the daughter recognizing the dad that she's never met 
Hmm. And whew, that's spooky. Interesting. That's from Cody from Brandon Manitoba. Thanks, Cody. That's good. I always we talked about it all the times, man. Like young kids, man, they the veils thin around them. Something they can mm-hmm. they can reach Tune out in. into some other dimensions of space and time, uh, and then you forget it all when you're about four years old. I was I was watching I was watching an episode of like Paranormal Survivor or something like that, and they had some paranormal experts in there, and they were weighing in on the subject about children and how they're when you're young, you're not conditioned, not as conditioned as you are when you get to like adolescence, and you're a lot more tuned in to these kind of in, you're more intuitive and able to kind of pick up on things that other people don't have. So perhaps that is one of the ways you just that's why you get so many creepy little kid stories about them seeing ghosts. And Dan, you were going to do a Theorite of the Week. Theorite of the Week. Our Theorite of the Week was <laughs> Eliasar Cisneros. And well, Eliasar was nice enough to um, uh, let us know that he listened to our Skunk Ape episode, just thing. And he told us that over near his, uh, where he lives, they have a place called uh, near Hendry County. Which is uh, which is actually a huge place in Florida that I looked it up and I thought it was kind of was like this sounds crazy. There's no way that is actually the largest place for for uh, breeding apes and monkeys for scientific use. And I had no idea, and that was super awesome. And, and he said that he's talked to people who worked there before. Uh, it actually got raided and shut down at a, at some point, and they said that they always had escape monkeys so now this is makes even our skunk ape episode even more rad because now there's a bunch of escaped monkeys running around in the florida in south florida yeah everywhere so i was like dude that's that's fucking crazy it's like and and um, that's legit you can look it up hashtag look it up for yourself the largest scientific monkey and ape breeding facility it's crazy hendry county if you look it up it, it comes right up and it's fucking, that's nuts. So, so, you know, that could be a reason as to why there are so many skunk ape uh, sightings. How do I say his name again? Thanks for that. Eliasar Cisneros. Eliasar Cisneros. Good name. Uh, let's get to some new Patreon supporters. If you're not already on Patreon, it helps us, helps keep the lights on. We got tons of bonus material, including After Hours, Gruesome Twosome, ATT Confidentials, One Star Reviewers, Dungeons and Dragons, n- Nerds, um, soon to be f- uh, coming out with Future Forecast. Tons of stuff on there for you. X bonus plus one. Content. X plus one. We got tons of bonus stuff. Uh, we really care about our Patreonists. We give you tons of uh, additional content. Who are Discord server? Discord server. That's right. Uh, and if that's not your thing, that's cool. We get it. But you can also help the show by going to our website, alientheoristtheorizing.live, buying some merch from us. we got sweet new merch, um, way better than the T Public stuff, and we get a better cut. Uh, we, right, got we got new got hats, hats, sweaters, jackets, crop tops, tank tops, pop tops, drop tops. I don't know, just all the, <laughs> all the tops. And all the tops. All that, all that helps us. So uh, help the show. We're ad-free, and let's keep it that way. Uh, let's get into some five-star reviews. I got a couple here. I'll read this. Uh, I'll let you do the first one from the United States. I'll read the second one here. Ron Podcast uh, from Custodian Tim from the US of A. New here. Took me 1.5 months to catch up to the newest ones. 
Love this podcast. Very funny and entertaining. Makes my eight-hour shift feel like a breeze and gives me laughs all night. I constantly listen to this podcast and love everything about it. 42069. We got another one from Deli Meat, which is pretty good. It's a pretty good name. Just says, awesome podcast. I love this podcast. It's just a group of guys talking about the unexplained events on Earth. Well, I mean, we talk about other planets besides Earth, too. But yes, uh, I have a bunch of friends, but they would never talk to me about the topics you guys talk about. Keep up the good work. Always come unprepared. <laughs> and could you guys always, always come unprepared? <laughs> and could you guys do me a favor? Tell the flat Earth people that gullible is not in the dictionary. And if they don't believe me, hashtag look it up. Nice. You know, it's you know, it's you know, it's a weird thing. I've just recalled. I read that on the last one. Uh, my podcast reviews has recycled our five star reviews. Fantastic. And put a new date on them. But hey, we really like those two. And no wonder we <laughs> liked it because we already read it. Um, anything else to say, Dan, before we punch out? I will read my favorite five-star review by Brayden is my uncle. Uh, this is from 829-2019. Dan sounds handsome. Rating five stars, mainly because Dan is smart and sounds cute. Best review ever. Mm, yes. Glad you got that one in there. Anyways, guys, uh, <laughs> uh, stay tuned. We got more coming and we'll be back live streaming next week. And as we always say on these things, keep those eyes on the skies. That one's for you, Zell.